Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer. Blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York. Between prepping ingredients, setting the table, and planning your tomorrow, sometimes you need an extra hand with dinner. Delta Faucet is here to help. Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot with Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology and fill it with the perfect amount of water. Done. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to see how voice IQ can fill your dog's bowl, wash your hands, and more. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end. It's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Here's the scenario. You're injured in a collision and your insurance company is denying your claim. It happens far too often. If it happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. My team and I work for people just like you. We don't accept cases on behalf of insurance companies, so you and your family can make sure that you're in good hands. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Get Goldfinger today. You know what I want. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm your host, Samson Folk. You're joining me after a disappointing loss against the Dallas Mavericks. And, you know, it certainly looked like fatigue was at the heart of a lot of what was happening. Maxi Kleber has become a better defender throughout his time in the league, but he is not the optimal guy to stop Siakam, and he had a hell of a game defending Pascal. I think a lot of that had to do with the legs, and that was seen throughout the Raptors roster. But before we dive into it, I'd like to remind you that we are doing a ticket giveaway, two tickets to the Rockets at Raptors December 5th. If you haven't seen any posts about it, go to Twitter at Raptors Public, at Samfolk, S-A-M-F-O-L-K-K, and you'll see how to enter. There's also a post about it on RaptorsRepublic.com, and you can figure that out from there. But it's um, pretty low entry. It's just you take a picture of your subscription to the Rapcast, tweet it at Raptors Republic under the initial tweet about the giveaway, and you retweet the tweet that is about the giveaway and you follow Raptors Republic. So all in all, probably 25 seconds of your time, you get a chance to win Raptors tickets and uh, yeah, free Raptors tickets, always cool. So uh, yeah, we'll get into the game though. The Raptors actually had a really great start to this one. They were defending the Mavs and by the way, this is the very start of the game. Keep in mind, overall, the first quarter was not super kind to the Raptors at all, but early on Gasol hit a triple Norm hit a triple, and the Raptors were playing pretty fast. They scored, I think it was, they were up 10-3 to kick things off, and that was that was really nice to see. The pace of the game was benefiting 
the Raptors, the Mavericks like to play a little bit slower. The Raptors, obviously, a great fast break team, like to play fast. These are obvious things. And the Raptors were doing a decent job on keeping Doncic away from the shot-making part of his game. But I thought Doncic, and this was spurred on by, I believe, a 15-0 run that the Mavericks went on after. Doncic did a really good job of reading the Raptors' defense. And that means every time OG's guarding Doncic, if anybody comes over to help, think of Norman Powell... Doncic is doing a really good job of reading the back end of the defense because of his size and his passing ability. A lot of the time, he doesn't really pay attention to the primary defender. Even when that primary defender is OG Ananobi, Doncic is an MVP level, an MVP candidate player right now, and he's just, he's at that level. So when he's surveying the back end of the defense, as soon as they start taking steps towards him as far as the help side or a double or anything, he's making the pass as soon as their momentum shifts away from their own defender. So what that meant was that he was creating tons of really good looks for the Mavericks. They weren't shooting that well on it. And this year, I believe the potential assist conversion percentage for Luka Doncic is 49%. And league average is around 54%. So on potential assists, the league on average shoots 54%. But on the shots that Luka Doncic creates, the Mavericks are shooting 49%. And I don't think that means that Doncic is creating bad shots and that the Mavericks are just have a lot of people covering when the ball gets to them. I think it's the Mavericks are failing Luka a little bit because he's creating a ton of great shots. And that's why we saw so much ebb and flow throughout this game from the Mavericks and to an extent the the Raptors as well. But early on, nothing's going down for the Mavericks. The Raptors get out on a little run, 10-3. All of a sudden, Doncic, who is playing with a team that sets pretty good screens and gives him the edge he needs to get going downhill. He's a big body going downhill. Hand-eye coordination, playmaking on a certain level. He's really good, whether he's working with the dive man or spraying the ball to the corners. So that was behind the Mavericks' run. And because he's he's making really great passes, really great reads, and he's getting to go downhill. All of that is a recipe for disaster for the Raptors because the Raptors did a fantastic job guarding Damian Lillard, guarding LeBron James, guarding Anthony Davis, guarding Kawhi Leonard, all because of the scheme. And LeBron is certainly the passer that Doncic is in some ways, especially when you're talking about spraying the ball to the corner. But he doesn't have the jump shot as far as Doncic is concerned. So you can go under screens a lot more. Doncic, you can't really go under the screen. Kawhi Leonard doesn't pass like Doncic, so he wasn't able to spread the ball around to the Clippers players as proficiently as Doncic did to the Mavericks players. All of this, and Dame doesn't have the height for when he's going into the middle to hang around in the paint for an, an extended period of time like Doncic does. So all of that equaled this. You know, it, w- it was a tough situation for the Raptors' defense because Doncic is so good at eliminating his primary defender by putting him in jail once he's coming downhill. And the, the Mavericks do a really good job of working five-on-four once that happens, they space the floor well, even if they don't shoot it well. And Doncic starts passing the ball around from there. And, you know, to end the first quarter, the Mavericks, they, they started hitting. They built up a 10-point lead before the frame was over. 
and the Raptors after their initial burst of offense that was assisted by some fast break opportunities. Things did stagnate a little bit. We're looking at trying to get Siakam going in the post. When that wasn't working, trying to get a little bit of above the break action. The post-up stuff, his touch wasn't there. His last step where he's jumping to finish at the rim didn't seem as explosive. And he was a little bit more hesitant when he was above the break trying to get to the rim. Settling for a couple more jump shots than I think we're used to. And, you know, that's he's working that in as a part of his game. But you can tell this has been a long road trip for him. The minutes he's been playing have been a lot and you you could see that on the offensive side of the floor in this one and also the defensive side of the floor. So Siakam, all around really tough game for him, but it was quite evident in the first quarter, and the Raptors were trying to get him established and having a lot of trouble getting offense from those play types. However, there was a pretty cool little thing to end the quarter. It was Fred hit a triple, DeLon hit a triple, and then Fred hit a triple. So that was cool considering that they used to be a bench guard tandem and Delon Wright and Fred Van Vliet at least in my mind are always kind of linked and uh, obviously Fred has risen to new heights I think Delon Wright I'm still waiting to see him put in a really good position he was fantastic in this game but I I would like to see him in a role that really suits him the Mavericks signed him and as we've seen they've relegated him to the bench because he's not a super ideal fit next to Doncic who the Mavericks want as the sole ball handler out there really just so that he can have the floor spaced for the spread pick and roll and that's how the Mavericks are doing it they had the number two offense coming into this game it's working for them in that way and so DeLon will have to figure out how to uh, make himself useful on the Mavericks just like he did tonight he was great in the second quarter we saw some Chris Boucher minutes and I thought even though he didn't get a ton of time in this game I thought he did a good job I liked his minutes in this one. His length seemed to be a good deterrent for the Dallas offense. And he was he was bringing something on the offensive end, even though he didn't hit his three when he took it. I, I liked what Chris Boucher brought, even if it was a 10, 12-minute stint. I thought that he probably should have gotten more minutes in this one. But overall, the second quarter was a great quarter for the Raptors because Chris Boucher was in, and that wasn't that it wasn't what sparked it, but... Matt Thomas, he really seemed to be the big deal in this one because he had 10 points in that second quarter stretch. And he was a plus 17 at one point. He finished at plus 12. But the Raptors broke off a huge run, and they actually had a 7-point lead going into halftime. And that was largely on the back of running a lot of pin downs for Matt Thomas, running a lot of actions that include him, and making the Mavericks either A, give up a good shot to him, or B, you know, you have to play out to him, and that spaces the floor for a lot of other stuff, like Fred getting to the rim, Terrence Davis getting to the rim, Hollis Jefferson was pretty sneaky in the paint in this one, even if that was more of a a first-half thing than a second-half thing. But Matt Thomas, this was his best game of the year so far, and not only because he made his shots, but because him making his shots allowed so much more of the offense to breathe and that was really evident in this one more so than any other game the Raptors have had this year and I it was really cool to see Matt Thomas have that type of impact in a game and it's cool to see because Nick Nurse more and more weapons are showing themselves to him more and more players are showing more of their game and when Kyle Lowry does come back when Serge Ibaka does come back there will be a lot to pick and choose from. And Nick Nurse 
has shown himself to be a really great coach thus far in his tenure. And you know what? I think we are we're looking at a guy who will make the right decisions if he has a lot of options. Some coaches, they don't make the right decisions. They have a bevy of talent. They're not using it right. But I think we have reason to believe that Nick Nurse, the more options he has, the better. And this, even though the Raptors lost this game, this road trip was immensely helpful for showing who the Raptors are because the Raptors were just good. They played classic Kyle Lowry basketball, but they need to have an identity outside of that. And we're, we found it on this road trip, definitely. And the reason why there was such a big swing in the second quarter that led to them leading 60-53 at halftime was, yes, the offense of Matt Thomas being able to inject some of that firepower into the Raptors. Oh, but not only that, the Mavericks offense, it wasn't as much Doncic to go around in the second quarter. He played the whole first quarter. And so we saw some just Chris Tapps Porzingis minutes. And the Mavericks, even though Porzingis had a pretty gaudy stat line, 20 and 15 tonight. He wasn't that good, and I, I really mean that. I know 20 and 15 is a big night, but Porzingis, when it was just him out on the floor, I think the Mavericks really struggled. It was why they gave up such a big run, and even by the time Doncic came back onto the floor, the flow of their offense was kind of funky, and too much of it was going to Porzingis. And Porzingis just being on the floor did throw everything for the Mavericks out of whack in the first half. That did get better in the second half, but that was the reason for the Raptors' big run to uh, to bring them into halftime. And it was a 26-7 to run, which is, you know, that really is something. And to get 26-7 to with a mostly bench unit really speaks to how deep the Raptors have looked and how deep they have really actually been. So lots of good things to wean from this game. Glean, sorry, not wean, to glean from this game and... It's not all doom and gloom, but there's certainly, there were difficulties, especially for Siakam, who even in the second quarter, when he was in the game, was having trouble imprinting himself on the game. And the third quarter, it started rough for the Raptors. There was a 7-0 run to kick things off. Sorry, 7-2 run to kick things off for the Mavericks. And they did seem to want to get the ball back into Doncic's hands. And the Raptors, for the most part, did a good job of limiting Doncic's shooting opportunities and I mean that even though he had he, he had a lot of free throws in this one and it a lot of it was because they were in bonus the Raptors were playing really aggressive defense and so Doncic even when he wasn't going up for a shot was still getting opportunities at the line that type of thing was happening in this one which isn't super great to see but the Raptors I'm pretty sure limited him to five made field goals five of 14 which just follows the trend of holding LeBron to 5 of 15, Kawhi to 2 of 11, I believe, and I'm not sure. I think Dame was 2 of 11 as well, and Anthony Davis was 10 of 20. But they're doing a really great job holding these superstars to that type of play, and it was recreated a little bit against Doncic, but 15 for 19 from the free throw line, 7 assists, way more opportunities than that, and a big plus 14. He was the difference maker for the Mavericks in this one. It wasn't as successful as one might think, and Fred Van Vliet was doing his best. He was doing his best impression of Kyle Lowry, trying to keep the Raptors afloat, even as Pascal Siakam was... He was really struggling, and I think he ended up 6 of 24, which is a really, like, dark days Kobe 
shooting line. Six of 24 from the field, two of 10 from three, one of three from the line. Just a tough game. Fred, he was an eight of 18, four of 11 from downtown. And considering how much attention was being paid to him, that is a really, really impressive line. And he kept the Raptors in it with the shot making. Norman Powell as well stepped into the fray, had a really nice night from downtown. I believe he made six triples. And six triples from Norm Powell is what else could you really want from him, right? Because he brings it defensively most nights. I think that's more or less the most consistent part of his game. He's always going to be aggressive at the point of attack. That's always nice to see. But to get six triples from him was pretty great. It wasn't super impressive as far as his ancillary playmaking, which sometimes can be pretty high level. It That wasn't there tonight. And the Raptors on the whole... Didn't do a super good job of creating. They had 21 assists in this one, but I it wasn't so great. It wasn't something that you really looked at how the Raptors are moving the ball and went, wow. And that was quite evident in the third quarter because the Raptors, more than anything else, just had to keep on attacking a set Mavericks defense over and over and over. They had no fast break points in the third quarter. Not only that, they didn't have any side topside action. They weren't able to create any movement within the Mavericks defense, really. And what that led to was pretty much just hanging out, running down the clock, trying to run an action with eight, nine seconds left on the clock, and then getting up a difficult shot. Or Pascal Siakam trying to ISO or post up in, in single coverage, but with the whole Mavericks defense shading towards him. And, you know, putting up a tough shot at the end of the clock. That type of stuff kept happening, and even into the fourth quarter, and especially the start of the fourth quarter when the Raptors tried to inject the bench unit in again to see if they could get a run out of them, it still didn't work out. The Raptors, they were beat 25-17 in the third quarter, 32-25 in the fourth. It just did not work out for them, and there wasn't outrageously great Rondé Hollis-Jefferson performances or Terrence Davis performances in the fourth quarter, so the Raptors for a stretch weren't able to create much offense the Mavericks still well actually the Mavericks their offense seemed to turn a corner in this game they started getting a lot of side top side action they were passing around the Raptors defense and I think fatigue legs really started to play a part it's the last game in a long road trip the longest road trip of the year and the Raptors you could tell by the end of it were having trouble keeping a pass heavy Mavericks team at bay and on the other side of the floor, we're really having a tough time creating anything. The Raptors hit a flurry of triples at the end of the game to make things a little bit closer. It went from 14-point lead for the Mavericks down to two in, I think, two and a half minutes. There was triples from Fred, from Norman Powell. It really did look like the Raptors might come back and steal it. Of course, that didn't end up being the case. The offense, it you know, it grinded to a halt. The Mavericks still kept going. The Mavericks... Had a lot of grit in this one as well. It wasn't just the Raptors who put on display of showing some grit. And yeah, the Raptors, it's just tough game. Sometimes you lose. Sometimes you're playing your fifth road game in the West Coast. A really long trip. And you have guys like Pascal played 41 minutes tonight. Fred Van Vliet, another 38. And having them play consistently 40 games every night on this very long road trip is that's a lot to take on and to ask in the fifth game Pascal Siakam carry us it it just didn't happen this was by far his worst game of the year I wouldn't expect this often with that being said and 
there are extenuating circumstances as far as Pascal is concerned. And I'm not I'm not super worried about it. It's just those are the harsh realities. You're a superstar now. This is how the team is going to look to you. Same way at the end of the Clippers game, he did not really figure it out. As we've seen a lot of the times this season, and even in the playoffs of last year, the second half, he kind of figures a team out if he's had a really rough first half. He didn't have the energy to work through all of his options in this one, just like against the Clippers on a back-to-back after killing himself in his body against the Lakers. It just... It didn't shake out right for him, and his body needs some rest. That same goes for Fred Van Vliet. And, uh, but they were tireless, for sure. And one of the most tireless players I've ever seen, Reggie Evans, inspired the Reggie Evans Award. Tonight it goes to Matt Thomas. He was really, really active, and I mean this, very, very active on defense. That doesn't mean he was great. He was just very active. You you see when he tries to go over top of a screen, it's like he goes into a moral panic. There's this helter-skelter aspect to it. And on offense, he really was tireless. We've talked about, well, a lot of people have talked about how much energy it takes for a Reggie Miller or a Steph Curry to spend so much time running off ball and how that drains defenders, which, by the way, makes it really impressive that Fred Van Vliet hung with Curry for the whole finals, but let's put that to the side. Matt Thomas was really tireless, running off of pin downs, brush screens, a ton of stuff, curls even, that the Raptors were running through him, and they're giving him a great opportunity. He made good on it. He was a big part of the Raptors' biggest run, and he put the Raptors in a good position to win the game as far as letting them build a lead going into the second half. And yeah, I just thought it was a very good game from Matt Thomas. Maybe one of the best we'll see from him this year. And uh, I kind of want to reward that. And on a tough night for a lot of the Raptors' best, I think this makes sense. Well, I, I think it makes sense. I don't think there's any villains in this game, so nobody's winning the Mitchell Robinson Award. I'm sure some of you would like me to to claim the refs are the villains. And if you believe the refs are the villains, that's that's totally cool. There was definitely a lot of free throws taken by Doncic. And the Mavericks, the Raptors, I believe, didn't attempt in a free throw in the third quarter. If, regardless of context, and or with context, that matters to you a lot, then, yeah, the refs can be your villain for sure. And, uh, yeah, so for those of you that want the refs to be the villain, they, they definitely can be. But for me, I don't have a villain for this game at all. The uh, top quick reaction, quick reaction comment is from Mark Booth. He says... Your best player plays like hot garbage. You usually lose these games. Free throw disparity. What a joke. Yeah, basically Pascal Siakam had a really tough one tonight. It's hard to keep... It's hard to have the Raptors just go through a game like this where they have only Van Vliet as the offensive cog and they just need so many bench players to rally around him. And there's only so many 15 and 14 point Chris Boucher games you're going to get. There's only so many 15 and 14 point Rondé Hollis Jefferson games you're going to get. The same thing goes for Terrence Davis. We've seen some of those on this road trip. They just didn't come tonight. And they're not going to be there every night either. It's not something you expect. You expect maybe one of them to punch it in like we saw from Matt Thomas tonight. But you're not going to have all of them teaming up every single night to save the Raptors from the doldrums. Sometimes you do need Pascal Siakam to, 
to elevate his game over Maxi Kleber and to lead the Raptors down the stretch. That's what the Raptors are looking for tonight. Didn't happen. And free throw disparity, yeah, there was a large free throw disparity in this one. And uh, the Raptors definitely play a much more aggressive brand of defense. Does that make up for it? I'm not really at liberty to say. I'm not much of a, a refs talk guy, so I'll leave that for almost every other pundit who likes to talk about refs, and you guys can have those conversations with them as well. And I'm definitely, it does not, I don't mean to shame anybody who thinks that the refs were a problem in this one. That's totally cool if you thought the refs were a problem. There's there's no judgment there either. And uh, yeah, that's probably it for this one. And uh, just a reminder again, you can enter the giveaway for two Raptors tickets for the Rockets at Raptors December 5th. Go to Raptors Republic, their Twitter or my Twitter at S-A-M-F-O-L-K-K. And uh, yeah, you can enter the contest that way. By the way, I, for the first time, asked for people to leave nice reviews on uh, the podcast, and a bunch of you people did. And that was really meaningful to me. I thought that was really nice of you all. So thank you very much for doing so. It's nice to have that validation, and I'm glad that the podcast is is seeing that, that type of support, honestly. So thank you very much for doing that. That means a lot to me. And uh, yeah, whether you're getting into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye. Support for this episode is brought to you by Mrs. Myers. A delightfully clean home can make for a delightful start to the day. At Mrs. Myers, everything we make is inspired by the garden. With plant-derived ingredients, our cleaning products work like the Dickens, leaving your home sparkly clean and your to-do list tackled in no time. So bring a little bit of the outside inside your four walls and bask in the wonder of a garden from the comfort of home. Mrs. Myers, rooted in goodness. Shop now at MrsMyers.com. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer. Blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York.